grace and love like mighty rivers. I don't know if you've ever seen a mighty river before. Well, the power of nature is irresistible. The power of a mighty river is irresistible. It will, in flood, sweep away anything that stands in its path. And I want us to have an understanding of that reality with regards to the kingdom of God, the purpose of God, the destiny that he has planned for his glorification and for the redemption of his people. This is what we see in the pages of scripture, friends. We see a great powerful outworking of God's redemptive plan as it unfolds to all the nations. It's a message that we can get excited about. It's a message that we can base our lives upon. It's a message that we can find hope beyond anything the world can offer. The message this morning, if you're taking notes, is darkness versus destiny. Darkness versus destiny. Friends, the darkness has not overcome the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not about to overcome the work of God in and through the ministry of the Apostle Paul, as we see in chapter 23 of Acts today. And so the destiny that God has planned for his people will come to pass. Praise God. And we can take encouragement this morning from that truth. I wonder if you're thankful this morning for common grace. Not particular grace. I'm sure you're thankful for that if you're a follower of Christ, but common grace. How many times have you been assisted by common grace? Common grace is the provision of God in a world that is soaked in sin. But by God's grace, that world is not as sinful as it could be. It's not as dark as it could be. Why? Because of common grace. Because God has restrained. Just as God has set the boundaries of the ocean and the land, so God has set the boundaries of sin. He constrains the evildoers. Praise the Lord. Now I want you to think, think back to the times where where you thought, well that was, perhaps you've been tempted to think, well that was lucky. It could have been so much worse. Common grace, dear friend. God, God ensuring that justice still happens through unjust systems. God is at work providing in a broken world full of sin. He is constraining it. And this is really what we see happening in Acts 23. We see the common grace of God uh, through constraining the circumstances uh, happening around Paul. Though over 40 of the Jews who opposed him made a plan to kill him, still there are, are enough reasonable Jews, law-abiding Jews, who would not sanction this plan. And so they made Paul aware of the plot against him. It's not only the hand of God by grace providing for Paul's protection against this threat to his life, but in providing men and women, those who trusted in Jesus, 
but also those who didn't believe in Jesus, yet who by the common grace of God were enabled to stand for what was right. Sometimes the help we receive from God comes even through unbelievers. Why? So that God gets the glory and not men. So that we're not tempted to think, well, it was our faith. It was our trust in God. It was our efforts which resulted in the glorious unfolding and expansion of the kingdom. I think we've all seen examples of this in our lives. God's grace to us. Not just through believers, not just through the church's witness, but even through unbelievers as they've acted in righteousness because of God's common grace. So let's marvel this morning at the grace, the wideness of this grace, the purpose of God through the circumstances that we see in Paul's life in the text today. Let's remember also as we, as we see this difficult situation in Jerusalem before the Jews... Let's be reminded of the situation uh, when Jesus was on trial, when Jesus was faced by the hate mob in Jerusalem. You see, the truth was recognised by Pilate during the trial of Jesus. Pilate said, this man is innocent. And yet he made a political decision in his weakness to satisfy the mob which led to Jesus' crucifixion. And yet we know that God's hand was on that too because it was by God's sovereign plan and purpose that Christ came, that Christ was crucified to atone for the sins of the world, for your sins and for mine. So how will the Roman official in our text this morning, this tribune, how will he respond to this threat on Paul's life? Turn with me, if you've got your Bibles, to Acts chapter 23. And we're going to read from verse 11. Acts 23 and verse 11. The Lord encourages Paul the following night the Lord stood near Paul and said take courage as you have testified about me in Jerusalem so you must also testify in Rome remember Paul is under arrest at this stage the next morning the Jews formed a conspiracy and bound themselves with an oath not to eat or drink until they had killed Paul more than 40 men were involved in this plot. They went to the chief priests and elders and said, we've taken a solemn oath not to eat anything until we've killed Paul. Now then, you and the Sanhedrin petition the commander to bring him before you on the pretext of wanting more accurate information about his case. We are ready to kill him before he gets here. But when the son of Paul's sister heard of this plot, he went into the barracks and told Paul. Then Paul called one of the centurions and said, Take this young man to the commander. He has something to tell him. So he took him to the commander. The centurion said, Paul, 
the prisoner, sent for me and asked me to bring this young man to you because he has something to tell you. The commander took the young man by the hand, drew him aside and asked, What is it you want to tell me? He said, The Jews have agreed to ask you to bring Paul before the Sanhedrin tomorrow on the pretext of wanting more accurate information about him. Don't give in to them, because more than 40 of them are waiting in ambush for him. They've taken an oath not to eat or drink until they have killed him. They are ready now, waiting for your consent to their request. The commander dismissed the young man and cautioned him, Don't tell anyone that you have reported this to me. May God bless us with understanding this day. Praise his name. If you're taking notes this morning, then we've got three P's. A plot, a promise, and a purpose. A plot, a promise, and a purpose. There's a plot against our brother Paul. They're not even willing to give Paul any further hearing. These enemies of of the gospel. Let's just ponder that for a moment. Enemies of the gospel. There are many enemies of the gospel. In fact, that's how all of us start life, as enemies of the gospel. And yet there is a concerted and clear campaign by the enemy to shut down the gospel witness. Isn't this true of the stubborn, intolerant opponents of biblical truth today? Those who uh, are intolerant towards a biblical reading of morality and life? Unwilling to listen to to biblical views on sexual behaviour, on abortion, on human identity. Instead, the world relentlessly pursues the cancel culture. Books that don't toe the line on the culture's prevailing feelings are cancelled. Apparently, Dr. Seuss books are now being targeted, believe it or not, as being Incorrect, politically incorrect. Speakers in student unions deplatformed. TV personalities who who hold to a Christian worldview and a Christian belief system. If they dare to speak out, they're taken off air. What is it that the world is afraid of? What do those who pursue sexual sin and distorted views on human identity have to hide from? Why must the biblical worldview be silenced? Friends, the world that cannot accept the biblical Jesus must resort to sneaky, underhanded tactics in order to avoid truth and justice to continue hiding in the darkness, even, it's, even if it's uh, able, even if this program is able to enact laws and policies to rewrite truth, it doesn't make it truth. Just because the world calls something light doesn't make it light. Friends, the darkness has always fought the light and it continues to do so. It continues to seek to snuff out the light of God's truth. 
This is why it's all the more important for us to stand for the truth in our time. It's not time to bow the knee before popular pressure. We're under pressure, relentless pressure from every side to conform to the acceptable view on human sexual behaviour, on gender identity, on marriage and many other things. Beloved friends, let us, along with Paul and the true church through history, let us stand for God's truth. As I've said already, there's more than common grace on display here. Because let's remember how far Paul has come. Paul himself once participated in the plot against the light, remember? Before Paul was converted, he thought he knew what was right and good. He he had a framework of belief, well thought out, well structured, accepted by most of the people of his time. And yet God, in his great mercy, stopped Paul in his tracks and turned him around fully when he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. Particular redemption, great saving power. What about our plot, friends? This is where it gets uncomfortable when we when we examine ourselves, when we examine our resistance to the light. Well, our plot, our fight against God's sovereignty, our fight against the truth about our sinfulness. And about God's clearly explained plan in scripture. Our fight both in our personal lives and and generally as we live. We need to examine ourselves regularly. Are we living according to God's truth? Or are we compromising and towing the line for comfort's sake? What's the cure? What's the cure, friends? What's the, what's the means of grace for us? What's the way forward? Well, it's receiving Christ. It's receiving Christ in his fullness. It's, it's receiving the spirit which, which washes us, which purifies us, which leads us in the paths of righteousness. Helping us to come to know the truth. In our text this morning, the tribune comes to know about the plot to kill Paul and he takes appropriate action to put it right. What about us when we come to know the truth about our sinful rebellion? What do we do? Even once we're believers in Christ, when God illuminates us to an area of truth as we read scripture, what will we do? Well, I think in the text this morning, we see two important things. We see trust in God's promise, which he delivers on, and pursuit of his purpose. Trust in God's promise, which he delivers on, and pursuit of his purpose. His purpose flows supernaturally and irresistibly. 
both in his predestination of all things, through his common grace active in the world, and also through his particular plan of self-glorification through his son and the church that belongs to his son. So let's consider the promise. Paul the prisoner. Paul the prisoner. Paul's in jail for his faith. And yet he doesn't despair. He trusts God. And when he hears of this plot, what does he do? He calmly refers his nephew to the tribune via a centurion. Friends, there are so many examples of this in the world today. Someone in prison for their faith, yet someone calmly standing on the truth, calmly hoping in the God who saved them. The many stories that we know and the many that we don't know of churches and pastors in prison in places like China, locked up for their faith, locked up for their faithfulness. Just think of the early rain church in China. There are countless others. And through the ages, the saints have struggled on with similar afflictions and similar trials. There are plenty of encouragements and examples to strengthen us. If, God forbid, we should be called to make such a witness. How will we stand? How will we face such a trial? Well, how did Paul stand? Paul stood because of God's promise to him. We're reminded of that in verse 11 this morning. Of when the Lord came to him and stood near him and said to Paul directly, Take courage. As you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. God is saying that my plan for you, Paul, is to travel to Rome to take the gospel message before even the emperor himself. So Paul knows. Knows that what God has ordained, what God has decreed, must happen. What God has predestined must happen occur and so this of course comforts equips and drives Paul it is what gives him the the peace and the calmness in his cell when he hears of yet more opposition to calmly call the centurion and send him with his nephew to the tribune Paul has a calmness about this plot and this trial because he knows that God will resolve it that God will make use of this situation for his glory and that his days are yet plenty in plenty Paul has a deep trust in God remember that Paul has seen deliverance and provision time and time again As we've gone through these chapters from his very own conversion. All the way back 
all the way back in chapter 9. We see Paul's conversion. We see the transformation of this enemy of the gospel into a humbled man. Yeah, that was, that was 12, 14 chapters ago. And Paul has gone on three missionary journeys. He's taken the gospel out to place after place. He's faced angry mob after angry mob. He's faced uh, beatings and attempts on his life. He's faced shipwrecks. And he knows by now that God is faithful, that God delivers time and time again. Has God ever let you down? Has God ever let you down? Be honest. We let ourselves down. We let each other down. We even sometimes shipwreck ourselves. But God has never let us down. God's plan, his predestination, has never let us down. It's by faith and not by sight, remember. That's what Paul has said. That's what Paul is living front and centre before us today. By faith and not by sight. Faith is known and grown through our trials, friends. So Paul trusts in God's promise to him. And we can trust in God's promise to us as well, dear friends. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28, in the Great Commission, Jesus says, I am with you always. God comes and stands beside us when we need him. He comes and encourages us to continue the course. Friend, God never lies. He's never economical with the truth. You heard that expression before? Being economical with the truth. When God's economy, he is liberal with the truth. He pours out truth abundantly through his people, through our testimony. God is truth. He can do no other He is God. He has more than enough resources at his disposal. His plan, like a mighty river, is irresistible. Let's marvel at what he's doing in Paul's day here in the text this morning. Let's recognise that his grace is still at work in our day. Still at work in our day. There are still brothers and sisters in jails in our day. Just as encouraged as Paul is in our text today. Facing far greater trials than any of us. Perhaps with our job woes. Perhaps sick and tired of the four walls at home that we are forced to live in, in our isolation. Maybe we're depressed because we can't book a holiday yet. How shameful it is for us to be so depressed and downcast with such light and trivial afflictions. When brothers like Paul 
pastors in China and others are locked up for their faith, for doing great things in the name of Christ. He has promised to be with us to the very end of the age. He has promised also to give us the words to speak. Luke's Gospel, chapter 12, verse 12. Wherever we are found, the Spirit will give us the words to speak in those situations. Have you ever heard the expression, count your blessings? Count your blessings. It's a a really good thing to do. Because today we often prefer to count our curses, to number our troubles. Are you a a glass half empty person or a glass half full person? Well, I want to say to you this morning, whichever you think you might be, I want to call you as uh, a son or daughter of Christ to be neither of those. That's right, be neither a glass half empty person or a glass half full person. Be what God would have you be. Someone whose glass, whose cup overflows, whose cup runneth over, not just full, but running over because of the blessings that God has poured out on you through the Lord Jesus Christ. And with such an attitude, with such hope, we can stand before kings, authorities, our work colleagues, kids in the playground, whoever it is who ridicules our faith, we can stand before all of them and speak of Jesus boldly. We need to equip ourselves, friends. We need to equip ourselves for the fight because some of those people that we meet, they're armed with arguments, that they're filled with bitterness. So we need to know what we're talking about As Paul himself wrote to another church, the church at Rome, uh, he said, We must renew our minds. Romans 12, verse 12. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Friends, we must know his purposes. We must recognise that he alone is the master of our destiny. He is the one whose truth is fully explained and laid out in scripture. If we know it, we're equipped for life. We're equipped for every trial. We're equipped for every dark situation. The light will shine irresistibly. His purpose will be revealed. Finally, a purpose. Friends, when we know what is good and acceptable and perfect, it doesn't simply sit there in our minds. It works something out in the experience of our lives. It results in transformation. Transformation for us, for our families and our community. We have an irresistible destiny. And it's both irresistible because it's futile to resist God, as the plotters in our text today discovered. 
And because God's plan for our destiny is more irresistible than anything the world can offer. Far more irresistible than the latest iPhone. Far more irresistible than bottomless Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Far more irresistible than an all-inclusive five-star holiday to wherever it is you're hankering for. God's plan, the joy that is found in Christ alone, is far more irresistible than anything the world has to offer. Friends, when we look at this plot in Acts 23 against Paul, we see this big gang of guys ready to take Paul out and silence him. We see God's purpose in the plot. Paul's destiny, his irresistible destiny, was to go by to Rome by means other than Paul's. Paul's locked up in a jail. Paul couldn't go to Rome if he wanted to. But God can make him go to Rome. God can take him there. God can stay the hand of these evil plotters. God can turn the mind of the tribune. And later the head man at Caesarea, the governor. God can turn each and every one of them to align with his will, to align for his gospel purposes. God's power is demonstrated in the story that we read before us this morning. His sovereign power to save. And this realisation actually energised and helped to carry Paul. It's what gave him the peace and confidence to just sit there in that cell and wait for his liberation, wait for his next step, wait for God's next move. I hope that's what you're doing this morning, waiting for God's next move. Hopeful in the destiny that he has set for you. With your family, with your friends, with your co-workers, together with your brothers and sisters in the people of God. Certainly encourages me. Certainly encourages me to see how God is moulding your lives. He's maturing and leading you. Providing for you, causing you to inspire your families, causing you to cheer one another on in our Zoom sessions, to ring each other up, encourage one another with a word, with the love that God has set in your hearts for your brothers and sisters. Friends, it really shouldn't surprise us those of us who are familiar with the Bible, that God has set out our destiny for us, that we are safe in his hands. Last week, as Simon led us, we saw how God shaped Ruth and Boaz's lives and through them and many others brought his son eventually into the world to be the redeemer of redeemers. We've seen God's purpose in his commissioning, commissioning of Paul, referred to it earlier in Acts chapter 9 and verse 15. 
God has said, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. This is my man who I have destined to do these things. And his day will not come before I say so. Friend, your day will not come before he says so. He will enable you to stand in trials. Same is true of God's purpose for his church. Acts chapter 2 and verse 39. Let's read from verse 38. Peter replied, Repent and be baptised every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit The promise is for you and your children and all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Has he called called you this morning? If you're his son or his daughter this morning, it's you. I want you to be reminded of his call, his promise to give you his spirit. His promise to lead you in that mission of disciple making. God's purpose for human flourishing hasn't changed. All that's changed is a pandemic has happened. The government has issued edicts to constrain us and keep us at home and to close down various activities. But God's purpose for human flourishing hasn't changed. His righteous and good law hasn't changed. We must not airbrush out the things that are no longer compatible with the unbelieving culture. The rebellion against God. We as his people must resolve to be true to his word and to know and share the truth which alone sets us free. The knowledge that we were once in bondage to sin. We were once desiring and committing all kinds of ungodly and unrighteous things. But we are now alive in Christ with a new and living hope. With an experience of something better, something glorious, something completely free and marvellous and unblemished. The very presence of God with us and in us. Bringing us peace despite adversity and opposition all around us. Friends, this is God's purpose in all our struggles and sufferings. In our loneliness and in our lack. Even in our ill health. That we might no longer rely on the things of the world. But on the one who made everything. So you see, despite appearances, there is no real battle between darkness and our destiny in Christ. God's will will be done and it is irresistible. The question is, will we know it and will we gladly bow to it? Friends, God's purpose shapes our destiny. How is he shaping your destiny 
today. I'd love to discuss this further with you. So do be in touch with me or someone from the fellowship who's perhaps more mature in the faith than you. Be in touch if the Lord is prompting you right now. Dear friend, the time for action is now as God's purpose continues irresistibly as his promise remains unshakable as no trial or tribulation can hold back the people of God. Let's bow our heads in prayer.